Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your national security advisor has just been executed. He's a very good negotiator. He bought you another half hour. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Go, Pack, go! And as of today, we have officially rebranded the show to Packer Ventline. It is no longer called Mackie and Judd with Rami. <laughs> we are just going to play clips about Packer drama. That's become the show here, boys. <laughs> Rob Domofsky. When was Rob Domofsky on Purple Daily today, Jonathan? Uh, three o'clock. So this happened about an hour ago. We're just going to play this here. If you missed it, Bob McGinn, who writes for The Athletic now. Yes. Longtime Packers writer and reporter. Bob McGinn, in a nutshell, said the Packers and Matt LaFleur drafted Jordan Love because they are sick of Aaron Rodgers' act and they wanted to regain some leverage in their relationship with Aaron Rodgers, which on its own is amazing. <laughs> digest that for a second. Let's light a first-round pick on fire in some ways just to gain leverage over our Hall of Fame quarterback. That's how spoiled we are in Green Bay. This is Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com. Bob could not be more wrong. Uh, Bob's completely full crap on that. Um, look, a general manager, and this is the way it's, it's structured in Green Bay, and Bob should know it, the general manager makes the call on the, on the draft and the players. The head coach does not. Trust me, Matt LaFleur would have loved to have uh, a receiver, loved to have somebody that could help his offense. This this Jordan Love pick does not help Matt LaFleur and it, now, and it may never help him, and here's why. Let's say they, they regress and go 9-7 and seven this year. Um, Rodgers further declines, and they go 6-10, and 7-9 the third year. Matt LaFleur could get fired without ever coaching Jordan Love. This is not... This this is Bob is completely wrong. Now could could Brian Gutekunst be tired of Aaron Rodgers and how he uh, you know maybe his, his body language when he when receivers don't do what he wants? Sure, he could be tired of it. And here's another theory about that. Why would Gutekunst draft a receiver really high when there's a halfway decent chance his quarterback won't like it? So now you've wasted that pick because Rodgers is so hard on guys. So maybe there's that to it. But look. Um, <laughs> This is not. This was not a Matt Lafleur pick in any way, shape, or form. I will soon, hopefully, have a piece on air, on ESPN dot com uh, this week about the dynamics that went into it, and I can promise you that it will it will say that Lafleur 
um, this was not a Matt Lafleur driven. All right, pick. so who do you guys side with in in <laughs> in rivalry drama here across the border? Bob McGinn saying that the Packers did this to throw a jab at Aaron Rodgers, or Rob Domofsky for saying not so fast, my friends. I don't know if that was the direct intent of what they did. But you don't use a first-round pick on the next quarterback if everything is hunky-dory with the current quarterback, right? I mean, that just doing the math. And what Bob McGinn says on some level kind of jibes with what Adam Schefter was reporting immediately after that pick, which is that Matt LaFleur fell in love with Jordan Love and wanted him in the quarterback room. He wanted Jordan Love. So I don't think Matt, he's he's right that... And especially with the Green Bay Packers, they very much follow the structure of authority. You know what I mean? And the the chain of command. You have a GM. He makes personnel calls. You have a coach. And, yes, they work together. But his job is to coach the 90 guys that is given to him by the GM and the front office. I don't doubt what Rob is saying there. But to think that Matt LaFleur had no say in it, I, I think is is kind of foolish. I think he did have say in it. And while I don't think the direct intent was to gain leverage over Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some butting of heads between those two. And Matt LaFleur on some level isn't going, look, if you don't want to work with me, I, I have a plan B. I have another option here if you don't want to work with me. I, I believe that there, there was friction there and I, I thought there would be from day one because Aaron Rodgers always thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And to bring in a first time head coach, one of the youngest head coaches in the league and think that Aaron Rodgers is going to bow down and defer and do whatever that guy thinks is smart, I think was foolish. and was never going to work. And not to say that they can't coexist, but I do believe that there probably was some friction there. There probably was some butting of heads there. And we now have multiple reports of people saying Matt LaFleur loves his new quarterback and wanted Jordan Love with the Green Bay Packers. I think, and this is never the the sexy answer to give, it's never the hot takey answer to give with, with what we do. It's always take a side, and that's the way to make a name for yourself in this business. But I think the truth probably lies somewhere between what Rob is saying and what Bob McGinn are saying. I think the truth is we can't lose here. Oh. This is just fantastic. We've got reporters brawling. We've got GMs possibly usurping quarterbacks. We've got a coach who's possibly trying to get at his QB. My hot take is we win. <laughs> and if you're a Vikings fan, you really win. For now. For we now. We win for now. Okay. Okay. We can enjoy the story for now. Okay. But, it, but, but I'll caution you the two things that I've been cautioning people of since the draft. One, the way things have gone for the Packers and the rest of the division when it comes to quarterbacks, Jordan Love is the next great thing. And two, a pissed-off Aaron Rodgers who has fueled his career on people doubting him and proving those people wrong now has his own franchise doubting him, and he's trying to prove them wrong. That could be a dangerous thing for the rest of us. Just just pumping the brakes and putting and, and, and emphasizing a little bit of caution in how much we enjoy this. Let's enjoy it right now, but let's realize what this could mean in the future. Ordinarily, though, ordinarily, the dysfunction, the backbiting, infighting is where? The Vikings, right? Oh, yeah. This very much feels, and who knows, Rami might be right. Jordan Love might turn out to be great. But this very much feels like the brawls and the backbiting uh, is continuing in Green Bay. And I I would say this about the Packers. I don't think there's been a lot of times since uh, Brett got there in 92 that we could flat out sit here and say, you're the dysfunctional ones. This feels 
like the Packers, are the dysfunctional ones, mm-hmm. which is great fun. And and if you're a Vikings fan, it's very odd because ordinarily it's what? Um, it's something going on with Brad Childress or it's something going on with Dante Culpepper or it's something, you know, take your pick. It's the love boat. This feels like the shoe is on the other foot for once and the Green Bay Packers feel like they've become dysfunctional and that's what I'm enjoying. Also, too, when you hear stories like this, very rarely are they just made up out of whole cloth, right? Do you think a guy who's been covering the NFL and the Packers for 40 years, and I get that, like, I, I went through I went through some of the replies to the article on Twitter, and, of course, like, 20% of people are saying, Bob McGinn's always wrong, right? Okay, so maybe Bob McGinn's batting. I, I haven't checked his batting average, but it's not 1,000, all right? So Bob McGinn's batting average might not be 1,000. But when... When the team drafts a quarterback in the first round, and then a guy who's been covering the team for like 40 years comes out and says, oh yeah, yeah, the relationship between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers is not that great, and quite frankly, they're just kind of sick of Aaron Rodgers' act, all right? You can't tell me that it means nothing. All due respect to Rob Domofsky, who's a friend of the show, and like, like Rob Domofsky's an awesome reporter in his own right, but you can't tell me... That it's just completely, oh, just throw it away. No, they just drafted a quarterback for four years from now. That's what they did with them when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. No, like, this is more than just, oh, boy. You guys realize Aaron Rodgers is like 36? We should probably draft a quarterback. There's more to it than, than that in my mind, and that's why it's just delicious from a Vikings perspective. To watch the Packers self-sabotage like this is just hilarious. This is good drama, though, boys. This is good, good National Football League drama right here. Yes. Uh, Rami, let's transition. Why don't you... By the way, today we have Mike Madonna on the show in about 20 minutes. Mike Madonna reflecting on uh, the North Stars moving to Dallas in 1993 and telling stories. We'll talk to the legendary Mike Madonna in about 20 minutes from now. Action Movie Rewind, a bonus episode here on this Tuesday because we didn't give you one on Friday. Air Force One. And a cram session later on. But, Rami, why don't you ask us the quote-unquote great question? Great question. I got a great question from Matthew Collar today. Do I get a point for that? Let's start there. No, Matthew is not. No, Matthew's okay. too much on the inside for but you he, to get a point for he that. Genuinely he, meant buzzing, it. Buzzing, he, he genuinely meant that it was a great question. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure it was great. I'm sure mm-hmm. it was a wonderful question, but it doesn't count in our standings. And this, by the way, happened on Score North Live today. Weekdays, noon to 2, me and a rotating cast of Score North personalities. You can listen to it anytime you want on the Score North app, which is totally free, by the way. We have a lot of fun. Go check it out sometime. Boom. Um, but basically, and Mackie, you're, you're guilty of this. <laughs> A lot of people are super excited. I love, when, I love when sentences start with, Mackie, you're guilty you of are. this. You're guilty. I mean, you, you straight up said it yesterday on Score North Live, weekdays, noon to two, anytime you want, Score North Live. Um, people are super excited about the Vikings draft, and you should be. You should. They, they, they knocked it out the park as much as you can knock a draft out the park. But you said yesterday that this this puts the Vikings ahead of the, the pack the Vikings just passed the Packers in the NFC North. You said that to me yesterday on Score North Live and I said pump your brakes, man. Let's just hang on for one second because you look at the history of NFL draft classes and very rarely do they make huge impact in year one, especially when you're talking about guys taken in the twenties or later. Okay. And not to say that this draft class won't turn out to be every bit as great as it looks today. Okay. But even if it is, you won't really see the impact of that until year two and three. So if the Vikings are going to surpass the Packers and take the NFC North, 
because you didn't sign any free agents and anybody who's going to come in and make immediate impact that way, it's going to happen on the backs of guys who are two or three years in the league right now taking that big developmental leap. So guys from the 2018 draft, guys from the 2019 draft who have been with the Vikings, who have been making progress, making that big leap in year two or year three of their careers. So I was asking Collar, who do you think is a good candidate from the 2018-2019 draft class to make that big leap and put the Vikings ahead of the Packers in 2020? So that is a good question. Just so you know. Thank you. It's a good question. How do I get a point? All right. No? It's good logic. Right. No. Okay. Is it a Sorry. great question or a good question? It's a it's a rock solid question. It's a very good it's a very, very good question. We don't count rock solid, do we? No. Okay. We haven't had that yet. That's I think we would count that. I think if someone would. said that's a rock solid question, That'd be a I don't really think we weird would, response. We would deny <laughs> that point. I don't think we would. Be odd. But my answers are these two guys and it's you know, I'm not I'm not jumping off the page here. It's the first two picks from the 2019 draft that the Vikings took. I think Garrett Bradbury, you know, playing center in the NFL, underrated really hard. I mean, think about just how many things you have to do as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, identifying so many things on the other side of the line of scrimmage and uh, working with your quarterback. Like, there's just, it's, it's a position that... Probably doesn't click right away a for a lot of guys. Won't start a rookie at center, correct? Because it's just too much. They'll start him off at guard and then slide him into center in their second or third year. It's just it's a really hard position. It's a it's a tough position mentally to wrap your head around everything. And so I think having a year to digest everything, Garrett Bradbury. But most importantly, Irv Smith. That was my If guy. targeted enough, I think that dude is ready to be one of the top tier tight ends in the NFL. And I just yeah, I just pulled open a list here on Pro Football Reference. There's like five guys right now in the top tier of pass-catching tight ends. Travis Kelsey has been in that tier for for a handful of years here. Uh, Darren Waller, kind of out of nowhere with Oakland last year as a tight end, caught 90 passes for 1,100 yards. And you got your Zach Ertz, and George Kittle is unbelievable, and Austin Hooper is pretty good. But there's kind of a changing of the guard after that. I really think... Now, Kyle Rudolph is very reliable, and he's a veteran, and he's going to get targeted too, but... If you were to devote a large chunk of targets to Irv Smith Jr. this year, watch that dude run. Like, watch him run compared to Kyle Rudolph and compared to even some wide receivers. It's ridiculous how athletic he is and how powerful he is. And so, if they want to, I think they can turn Irv Smith Jr. into a force offensively. And I would also probably go down to to B.C. Johnson, seventh-round pick from last year, as a guy that I don't think winds up as your number 2 wide receiver, but as a good option. He caught 31 passes last year. And I think he probably has a chance to catch 40 or 50 passes as a number 3 wide receiver He could be a deep threat as well. Yep, absolutely. So those are the three I'll give you. But Irv Smith, definitely at the top of my list. I'm with Rami on that. All right, I'm going to drop down to the 2019, the fourth round. Gentlemen, I'm going to give you guard Drew Samia, who I think could be your opening day right guard in 2020. And so he, he was taken in the fourth round as their fourth pick. He's my... He's my pick from the 2019 draft. 2018 draft, a guy who is still on the roster, his fourth-round pick, defensive lineman Jalen Holmes. So I would say that those guys could go from not contributing much to contributing. And then I, I'm with you. I think B.C. Johnson, I don't think that he's your second receiver, but I do think that he could provide a deep threat. I think he's good. He can run routes, which we've been talking about for weeks now, is incredibly important. Um, and so that, that's from a draft that had, uh, again, 
Four seventh-round picks mm-hmm. by Rick Spielman, 2019. Can I throw four a, cu- I throw a couple picks. of names at you from the 2018 draft? One was a guy who... Daniel Carlson. Of yeah, course, he's great in Oakland. But that's, that's a given, right? <laughs> that's about a foregone conclusion. Las Vegas Raiders? No, Collar, Collar mentioned Mike Hughes on the show today. If Mike Hughes looks like a first-round cornerback here Better. in year three, that makes a huge difference for the Minnesota Vikings in 2020 if that guy can come in and live up to the draft pick and the expectations. But what do you guys think about... And not to say that he hasn't already developed into quite the football player and made an impact for this team, but Brian O'Neill moving to the left tackle spot and and getting more impact out of him that way. And then you're not putting as much on the rookie as for Cleveland. You can put him on the right side where there's less responsibility, less liability in terms of Kirk Cousins getting murdered or fumbling the football when he gets hit. That's that's on Kirk Cousins' right side, so he can see all the pressure coming from there if Ezra, Cle- if Ezra Cleveland has some, some rookie struggles. I think you can get more out of Brian O'Neill and have him make that much more impact and make that leap in development if you move him from the right side of the line to the left side. Is that on the table right now? My My first instinct would be to just... If you can leave your right tackle and you can leave your center and then leave the left side guys on the left side, I would, I would probably look to avoid. So where are you putting flopping left guard if he needs to? I put him a left guard right now. I mean, or and then and then if if he uh, develops long term, um, or if he develops quickly and you think that he can play left tackle and move Reef to left guard. What I don't think I don't think that you can ask O'Neill though to flip positions with basically no program to come to until training camp. That'd be a really tough ask. I, I was once told by a guy the Vikings were this was after Anthony Herrera left and they'd gotten a guy by the name of Artis Hicks from Philadelphia. Oh my god, I remember Artis Hicks. And Hutch was playing left oh, guard right. and Hicks had played. I want to say Hicks had played left guard in Philadelphia on some Childress offenses there, mm-hmm. and they asked him to move. To right guard. And so I was doing a story for the strip at the time about it. And I said to him, I said, what's that like? And he said, spend the entire day writing with your opposite hand. He's like, that's the structure. Your brain works, you know, one way. And then if you flip positions to the opposite side of the line, your brain has to adjust completely. So my initial inclination would be if O'Neill had an entire offseason program to work, that it might work. But that's the problem here. There's so many unknowns about guys being th- uh, thrown in. I I would say the answer to the question of what first round or what pick from the 2019 or 18 draft who might not develop and it could cost people their jobs is Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes, in my opinion, has to has hey, Bra- to too. be a very good player, right? Yeah. But I mean, you are you. I don't think. That the hope is that that Hughes comes back from the uh, broken vertebrae he suffered and is good. I think the expectation of unless he gets hurt again, which would be quite unfortunate for a third consecutive year, I think the expectation is he was a first round pick for a reason. He needs to be starting on day one, and he needs to be good. Yeah, he it it would be really helpful if he became eighty percent as good as Xavier Rhodes was at his peak, so that you could just feel good. Hey, we got this side covered. And if there needs to be kind of an unknown period on the other side, well, at least you know that you've got this side covered and you have two amazing safeties. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much better would you feel about the secondary if Anthony Harris comes back? And again, not ideal to be paying that much money to two safeties, but it is what it is, and they're both awesome. And if Mike Hughes was really good and you just had those three spots locked down, and now you figure it out, Mike Zimmer teaches nickel spot, teaches the other outside spot. So, yeah, you're probably right. Like, if 
if Mike Hughes is a disaster versus if Garrett Bradbury is a disaster, like it's it's a problem both ways. Right. But Mike Hughes is probably the the bigger problem if he's a disaster. So yeah, you need Mike Hughes to step up, and he he may not live up to first round billing or expectations, but you need you need better. You need better performance and production from one of those corner spots than what you got from Xavier Rhodes last year. Have to have better. Is production. it possible that, the, but, that, that by just not playing Xavier, like literally playing any other NFL cornerback, even if it's a rookie besides Xavier Rhodes, that you're better at that position? It's possible. I think it's yeah. possible. I think there have been worse cornerbacks in this league over the history of the NFL than Xavier Rhodes was last year. By the way, that was a great question. Thank you. Nice job. Take a that's, bow around. That's me. a good setup. That's now good I know. That, that was a. That's a. Intro, we got introspective. We broke down football. I know. Good. I know. We don't give points for staff members giving a good question, Friend but when you, when you get it from three, when you get it from three for teammates, a good question. Does that add up to one good question point? Well, it is a Tuesday, so we'll go to Judge Jonathan here. Jonathan, oh, I'm sure I'll no. fare well here. No. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate no. it. Wow. <laughs> nope. You can get it from everybody oh, on the staff. Robbie. It's a hat trick. No, a hat trick. Nope. It. All right. Oh, a little hacky for you. Declan would give you the point right now just for saying hat trick. <laughs> Is it called a hat trick in soccer, too? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Three goals. Hat Love trick. soccer. Love me some soccer. <laughs> oh. Yep. So the, the, the standings remain <laughs> oh, in the good question standings. I have 10, Judd has 9, Rami has 7, and Jonathan has 3. By the way, somebody, the somebody took issue with... Uh, Jonathan's pizza topping power rankings on Score North Live today because Mine? yeah they can't tell apart our young white producers. It's <laughs> <laughs> not Score North Live today. <laughs> I was listening. But Amazing. Didn't have power rankings on Way to go, Jonathan! <laughs> You're welcome. When we come back, on the list. when we come back, Mackie and Jeb with Rami and whoever the whichever white guy is producing today. Jonathan, I guess. Mike Madano is going to join the show. Later on, Action Movie Rewind. We'll dive into Air Force One. We will also discuss what Ross Brendel, our marketing guy, was Dude, doing last night hell? over dinner. What's going on here? Violating all kinds of different etiquette rules. A lot rules. of things. We'll talk about that, too. Oh, but Lord. Uh, stick with us here. Could Mackie. sleep last night after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for that segment. Uh, I'm glad you're still open. Open, open. Helping support our local businesses through the coronavirus crisis. We are open for business. This is open for business. Still open, yeah? Yeah. On Score North. All right, let's dive into another mini episode here of Open for Business on Score North. These are unprecedented times in our country, in the state of Minnesota. And we're looking to highlight some businesses that are still open, still operational, and still looking to serve people. And so we bring back our friend here, Jason Walgrave from the Wallace State, the Wallace State, the, I'm combining your, your, uh, your business. You're the Walgrave Real Estate Group at walgrave.com. Uh, Jason, how are you? And give us an update on, on real estate right now. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I appreciate it. Uh, the, the real estate market in the Twin Cities, uh, for our team is is very active. Uh, we are working with buyers and sellers every single day of the week. Uh, last week alone, on Friday and Saturday, we had three different buyers that uh, we were in multiple offers with, and um, and we won all three offers. So it, it's active, and uh, we're out helping people every day. Awesome. 
So is it, I mean, would you consider it a buyer's or a seller's market right now? How would you, how would you classify it for people who are curious? Well, I'd say if you had to choose one, it's probably more of a seller's market because the inventory is very low. But with that said, because interest rates are in the low threes, historically low, um, it's better to own in most cases than it is to rent. So it's, it's kind of both. Yeah. So how, okay, for people who had wheels in motion and were making some plans to buy or sell earlier in the year and then the pandemic hits and now they're thinking, oh man, now, now I have to wait until after the pandemic. What is your company doing to just change the process and, and keep people buying and selling just to be able for, for people to not completely throw off their entire plan? Yeah. So that, that's a great question. We're, we're implementing all of the guidelines. Uh, of course, we have, uh, we're taking into consideration social distancing, uh, using masks and, and gloves uh, when necessary. We're, we're doing more meetings virtually, so video conference calls, um, uh, conference calls over the phone. Uh, we're doing presentations through uh, video uh, conference calls. And, and so that, that we're doing more than, than, other, than ever before, but we're also meeting people daily um, at properties that, that want to physically walk through. Um, if you don't, we're, we're utilizing high-definition professional video tours. Um, we're, we're changing with where we need to to make sure that, that we're there for our buyers and sellers. And by the way, your show is still operational and still live here on Score North on Saturdays at 7 a.m. too. But uh, you're just you're social distancing and you're doing it from your home, which is kind of cool. Yes. Yes, we are. Nice. Uh, what other updates do you have for uh, for people curious about the the real estate, the state of real estate right now, and just for people curious about Walgrave Real Estate Group? So, so something to keep in mind. I, I believe that by the end of 2020 in the Twin Cities real estate market, we're going to see the the same number of projected sales. I think in the last, uh, when you're talking about the market as a whole, the Twin Cities in the last four to six weeks, um, there has been a, a slowdown. Inactivity, but I also believe that those buyers and those sellers are still going to buy and sell probably this summer or this fall. So uh, if you're a buyer and you're going to be buying anytime this year, make sure that you get yourself pre-approved and ready to go. If you're a seller, let's talk about the things that we need to do to get your home ready uh, to go on the market when you're comfortable doing so. I think it's going to be very, very busy this summer and this fall. That is Jason Walgrave from Walgrave Real Estate Group, walgrave.com. Uh, thanks for coming on and, uh, and and telling your story. Open for business, Jason. Thank you. Th- thanks, guys. Have a great day. All right. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here. We'll come back and we'll catch up with Mike Madano, North Stars legend from the early 90s and a Stanley Cup champion Hall of Famer. And later on, action movie rewind. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business during the coronavirus pandemic. You can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North app. We are all in this together, and we need your support to help our local community. To hear from our area partners, please visit scorenorth.com. Use the keyword open also over at scorenorth.com right now the final chapter chapter four of the 20 greatest journeyman quarterback seasons of all time has been released by matthew collar and pff's eric eager as they look at the top five journeyman quarterbacks of journeyman quarterback seasons of all time and uh if you're a vikings fan you probably won't like seasons four and one just because of the relation to how they affected the vikings wow. season so go check that out over at scorenorth.com and the free score north mobile app that's when your score north download now back to Mackie and Judith Rami. 
Thank you, Jonathan. Action Movie Rewind in about 30 minutes from now. But earlier, we had a chance to catch up with hockey legend Mike Madonna, North Stars legend. This is part of a Minnesota Sports Rewind episode, which we urge you to subscribe to if you're into amazing deep dives into prominent Minnesota sports events, Apple, Spotify, uh, Score North app. But Mike Madonna, primarily on the story behind, from his perspective, the North Stars moving to Dallas in 1993. Let's roll it, Jonathan. Over 400 career goals in the NHL, over 1,000 career points, Stanley Cup winner, Hockey Hall of Famer, and current executive advisor for the Minnesota Wild, our next guest, Mike Madonna. Thank you for joining the show today, Mike. I'm pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, before we dive into things from long ago and, and, and get, get into the rewind subjects, what's it like being in the front office of one of the major professional sports organizations that's sitting here in the middle of a quarantine period? Are you, are you getting antsy? Um, yeah, to say the least. I think it was uh, especially the timing of it all right there at the end of the season where you're just in the, the home stretch. Every game was very meaningful and um, intense, and the guys were really into it and playing well at that time. And, you know, the, uh, the, the schedule and the standings were getting tight and guys were running out of games, so everything was so uh, – Every game was impactful, so I mean, it just—it's—it's um, it's a real bummer. It was a, it's the best part of the time of the year to be playing and and to be sitting here, kind of in uh, no man's land, not knowing what we're going to do or what the future holds. It's—it's um, it's upsetting. Mike, what what does your gut say too, as far as the potential? We've heard all types of scenarios, maybe going to Grand Forks, uh, but as far as uh, resuming hockey for the 2019-20 season do you think it's realistic to go as late as july or does there come a point in time as a former player you can speak to this where the layoff has been such that it'd be very tough to come back and then almost just continue going into the 2020-21 season yeah i i i mean i'm hearing rumblings they they they, they they'll play in july and august if it if it works out um i just think logistics wise i mean they think they might run into some snags as far as what buildings are available and, and what the dates are because everybody kind of punches in their dates at the start of the year for obviously in April and May considering if you do make the playoffs so those those home dates are available and everything so now now knowing that you got to go into July and August and you're kind of uh, running into some other events and schedules uh, that were going in through the Excel Center it's um, it's trying to find dates so I, I mean I can I can see where they're going where these neutral site uh, cities might be uh, plausible, but again, I think it's going to be done with no fans. Um, you know, it's just too early. It's too quick of a transition into a, a full-blown normal life um, going into sports, which is desperately needed in the world today, in the U.S., especially with uh, what's going on. So I, I, I know they'll be obviously uh, more safe than sorry, but yeah, it'd be nice to squeeze in by in August and then kind of worry about next year as far as crunching in a schedule as far as maybe canceling the All-Star game and getting rid of the bye week so you can kind of make up some time there so the following season possibly we could be back on schedule. Yeah, Mike Madonna, how did you personally find out about a potential move to Dallas in 1993? Uh, well, I think it was the following year. Um, 
that uh, Norm came in and uh, um, changed a little bit of the uniforms. I think we, I think it was that third or fourth year, um, changed the logo. Um, so I think that was really kind of possibly the start that with that type of logo and that type of uh, name, you can obviously go anywhere. Um, getting rid of the end was kind of a big move, I thought, as far as the jerseys were concerned. But so now the, uh, the next couple of years, there was rumblings and, you know, he was putting a lot of his personal money into the Met, trying to upgrade it, update it and put some bars and restaurants and suites and changed out the seats and everything. So there was a lot of money that he had put in personally, but, uh, that was hard to make up in that, in that day and age without, you know, raising ticket prices. I think he raised them like 25 or 28 bucks. <laughs> the lower bowl tickets were. So I think people were a little outraged at that, at the raise of prices. And, um, you know, so it was just kind of a slow, a slow, um, slow death there with, uh, with being there. So, you know, certain teams, certain cities came popping up. Uh, Anaheim was one of them and Hamilton and Seattle um, I want to say Dallas was just kind of a last-second pitch that they made to us uh, or to the North Stars because they had a they had a building, they had a reunion. It was it, it was capable of making ice, so it was really um, uh, it wasn't until the last second that Dallas came in and, and made a good bid, and, and Norm jumped at it. So, Mike, how much had you guys seriously considered or talked about the prospect of that potential move before it became official uh, sometime in March of 1993? I think we always discussed it. I think the guys would always bring it up, and, and we'd discuss it of what they're hearing, what's the latest, and whoever had a little bit of a inside look at what uh, Norm was thinking or, or Bob Ganey or what was going on. So everybody thought they had a little bit of an inside scoop and um, – you know, but I think in the back of our minds, we always thought, you know, there's really no way a team, the team can move from Minnesota. You know, it's just, it's just uh, where hockey is. It's, it's too good of a town. Um, it's too good of a hockey, uh, hockey city, um, the whole state for that matter. So we really thought, nah, you know, there's no chance. At the end, there's something's going to get worked out and we'll be end up staying and, uh, we were really uh, we were shocked when, when that spring uh, we got some letters in the mail about uh, expecting you to camp in Dallas. So, take me through also that uh, from the day that that became official in March of that year, uh, because you know with all the uncertainty, you guys started to struggle. But just what was it like playing out the string? And I went back a couple of weeks ago and watched your last home game against the Blackhawks, and it is a really weird thing to watch. As a player, how unusual was that whole dynamic of guys knowing that they were playing out the string for a team that was going to move? Yeah, it was tough uh, because, yeah, I think mentally and everything was just kind of – you felt a little bit responsible that you didn't make uh, uh, maybe it make, didn't make the game enjoyable or didn't uh, bring out the fans enough uh, with what we were doing, what we were trying to accomplish as a team. Maybe the product wasn't as exciting as uh, we hoped for. Um, you know, so you always felt a little bit of uh, responsible responsibility and that happening. So um, yeah, it's still 
it was tough that last couple of weeks and certainly that last game, just knowing that that was it. We're like, you know, geez, we just were really, uh, we were really shocked that it really kind of, uh, it, reality was setting in. How, how do you think your life and or, I mean, your career wound up being one of the best of all time? And obviously you're beloved in Dallas and it, it worked out fine. Um, and now you're back here helping the wild, but do you ever think about how your life and career would have been different had the North Star stayed in Minnesota for the, the 20 years of your career? Yeah, I, I think about that a lot. I think about what would, could have been, uh, the situation if we, if I did stay there for 20 years with the, with the North Stars and we stayed in that town, what, uh, what, uh, the possibilities could have been or what we could have, uh, accomplished. Um, as a team, because, uh, you know, granted, we probably would have had the same personnel, same players that came in, uh, to Minnesota that we did in Dallas. So it would have been, uh, some exciting hockey and some exciting, exciting times to play that type of, uh, that type of, type of level of hockey in, uh, in Minnesota, um, at that time. So yeah, it really, uh, uh there's a lot of what ifs, uh, could have been 20 years with the North Stars, what, uh, what we could have been able to do. It would have been, uh, it would have been great to see. It would have been great to been able to uh, have a reality of that uh, that set in. So I, I, I missed that. I wish it would have happened. What do you, do you recall about that last home game against the Blackhawks? Too, just as far as the uh, mood and and I believe it was at the start of that game that you guys essentially got a standing ovation. So they still loved the team and players. They didn't like Norm, of course, Mike, but they loved the team and players. What do you? What did you uh, take away from or recall from that night in particular? Yeah, I think the ovation was tough. Once we, we once we saw that, we're like, wow, this is this is really, you know, emotional just as much for the fans and for the city as it was for the players to kind of say goodbye and, you know, not knowing if it was ever going to be the last time that they see NHL hockey in that city or that state. So it was really kind of uh, a thought of this is this is the end of the end. So you're never going to have hockey here again, um, professionally. So I, I think fans were really kind of, uh, um, kind of letting their feelings and their emotions out. And the ovation was great. Just, you know, it was really kind of a tough way to start that night when they did that. What was there one person in particular, a player or coach who you thought took it the hardest that the team was going to uproot from Minnesota? Uh, boy, I'd probably say Neil Broughton. I think Neil was really kind of torn up. I think he just, you know, being a Minnesota guy and playing for the U and then the North Stars, I think he just, uh, um, him for sure. I just, you know, he felt bad because he, he really took it personal. He really took it hard and, and just having to move, especially towards the end of his career. Um, you know, he played a couple more years, uh, won a cup. Thankfully, in, in in Jersey, but uh, yeah, I mean, he too, he would have loved to, he would have loved to have been able to start and finish his career in Minnesota, um, like a few of us could have been. So yeah, he was he was torn up about it. So a couple more things for you here, and we appreciate you just reflecting back here, Mike Madano, um, with your work now with the Wild. How much? I don't know if obligation is the is the right word, but like how, how much. Do you think, man, the state of hockey and with what happened to the North Stars moving and, and there, there's never been a Stanley Cup championship here, how much does how much weight does that carry? You helping out with the delivery of a Stanley Cup championship here in Minnesota? Oh, that would be certainly uh, a full circle. I think it would be um, 
the topping of it all to be able to help uh, in any way or help Billy Guerin, help the organization, help uh, Craig Leopold win a Stanley Cup to um, to let those guys feel of what it what it feels like winning one of those. So um, I know Craig's just dying to have a chance. Uh, you know, he's not going to stop until he wins one. So he's uh, he's really into it. But to to be able to be a part of uh, uh, putting the pieces together to ultimately win a cup there would be, uh, boy, it would be, uh, it'd be, uh, a great way to return all those, uh, great early years that I had and, and give them something to cheer about. And I think that town and that state would, uh, would absolutely go crazy for it. So we're, we're, we're hoping we can accomplish that. And it'd be a nice, uh, It'd be a nice delivery if we could do that for him. Mike, I say this knowing that players hate to lose, uh, but but when you came back here for the first time with the Dallas Stars to play the Wild, and I think lost uh, six rip at the X. What's going through your mind uh, just o- overall in the fact that this was your first game back here? Um, I think fans still liked you a lot, but what was that dynamic like to see a hockey team back here? It beats your club badly, which at that time people were still mad at. How weird was that whole environment that uh, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon? Um, it was tough. I can't cause, uh, when that schedule came out that summer and we saw like, uh, that was the date we're going back to Minnesota. I think we all thought that ones that were still left there, like, uh, we had it circled thinking, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a tough game to play in. We knew it was going to be just, uh, 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 Tough, uh, tough crowd. I think they were going to be just on us. They were going to let their feelings know, and it's been a slow build up for a long time since we left to now, to that date. So we knew going into it, it was going to be just a, one of those games. You're like, okay, it'd probably be best if they just we just let them win it and have their moment and, and, and move on. So, but it was. Um, I actually did watch the game the other night. They replayed it on Fox Sports North, and um, yep, you know we. Uh, we peppered them left and right. We had more power plays than I think we had in a long time. And uh, Manny Fernandez played great. And, you know, they were pretty opportunistic in their goals on Belfour. So it was just, uh, it was probably fitting that that game was uh, finished the way it did for them and the fans. How emotional was it uh, for you, too, in the game that you played here when afterwards you went back into, I think, the room and came out with a North Star jersey on, which I think for a lot of people in the stands was incredibly emotional because to see that jersey just, for a lot of us, uh, conjures up great thoughts and uh, memories. What did that mean for you to be able to do that? Um, it was great. It was, you know, Billy Robertson came up with the idea and he kind of flagged me down after the game. And, uh, but he brought it up before the game. He's thinking, Hey, I'm thinking this. I go, just, you know, grab me after the game. We'll, we'll, we'll do something. And, and, uh, he's like, you know, then he kind of surprised me with the jerseys. Like, Hey, you know, you want to throw the jersey on? It was my last game, obviously, uh, for, uh, with Dallas in Minnesota, the last game of the year. And, and I thought it was my last game of my career. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really neat. And, uh, you know, a lot of people stuck around to, uh, hear who the stars of the game were and then yep. to, to kind of take a, take a lap with the Jersey on, uh, was great because there's still a lot of people there that I recognize and still remember from the Met center days that are just big, big hockey fans that were season ticket holders now for the wild. So it was, it was a pretty special deal. Hey, 
How close did you also come after that, instead of going uh, to play your last year in Detroit, to coming back here to play for, uh, um, for the Wild one year? It was close. I mean, it, it crossed my mind. I, I, I really thought about it. I, I figured if I was going to do one more year, it was going to be either Minnesota or Detroit. Um, being from Detroit and just growing up, being around the Red Wings and uh, the Illiches and everything else um, would have been special, but certainly would have been really uh, interesting to, to do a, a one-year deal back in Minnesota. So I think back it would have been neat. I would have really loved uh, doing one more year in Minnesota. It would have been a lot of fun. Last thing, sir. When, when's the last time that you saw Norm Green? And Do you ever feel you got the real good answer about why he did move? Uh, I, you know, there's always speculations. I don't think there's really been one concrete answer to, to it that this was why we left. I think there's always been, um, a little bit of an unanswered, uh, situation that, you know, how could you not make, uh, work out something with someone, go down to the target center or just kind of make it work at the net for a little while. And so maybe you built a new arena, um, you know, so it's been a while since I've seen Norm. It's been a long, long time. Um, you know, he was in, he's still in Dallas. So, um, I haven't seen or heard from him probably since, uh, my Jersey retirement back in Dallas, uh, uh a couple of years ago. So it's, it's been a while. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. We appreciate your career and, uh, and everything you've done for, for Minnesota hockey. And we wish you the best during this, however long it lasts, quarantine period, too, man. Thanks Thank, for coming on. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take Be care. Safe. Take Bye-bye. care. All right. That was Mike Madano, Minnesota Hockey Legend, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup winner. And you can find a full episode and a deep dive into the North Stars moving to Dallas and a bunch of what if questions. Minnesota Sports Rewind, anywhere you find podcasts, Apple and Spotify, a couple of good places where you can subscribe. Gentlemen, uh, before we get to, yeah, we got about eight or ten minutes before we get to Action Movie Rewind here. So our friend and marketing manager here, Ross Brendel at Score North, sent a tweet out last night. Rami, are you there in studio quarantine? Yes, I'm here. I am here. Just want to make sure because this is right up your alley. Kind of wish I wasn't for this coming segment, but yeah, I'm here. (laughs) How'd you decide it was right up his alley? So, well, it's right up all of our alleys, really, but... So Ross tweets a photo last night, and uh, it's a photo of some sort of some sort of patio situation. He's got his table out there. He's got a white claw. So much wrong with this. In a blue moon, uh, uh, what do you call it? Koozie. Mm-hmm. We probably still have some Mackie and Judd koozies in our promo closet from previous state fairs. Oh, Ricey and Mackie koozies. Ricey and Mackie koozies. Two hot dogs mm-hmm. with. Mustard and ketchup. Is there ketchup on there? I didn't see ketchup. There's some ketchup on there. Oh, there is. Yeah, zoom closer. Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. Some green beans. So he's got two. Another his dinner thing, is... Another thing wrong with that. Two hot dogs green. and green beans. Man, what are you doing? And so it's a, it's a photo of just the plate on a table on his patio at his apartment okay. overlooking a parking lot, okay? And the caption is, first shirtless patio dinner of spring-summer quarantine I hope the I hope the uh, and then you misspelled something here, but I hope the something enjoy. I hope the neighbors enjoy the show and pale top half. All right. So where do we start with this? Because let's start with the food. Okay. Let's start with the food, and then we'll get into the most disturbing part of this. All right. <laughs> okay. Definitely. I got no problem. I I'm a firm believer that you should have something green with dinner every night. 
Okay, you should have some kind of vegetable incorporated into your meal. So I got no problem with the green beans. But where are the potato chips? Where are the fries? Where are the things you actually eat with hot dogs? Why just green beans and hot dogs? Two, what happened to those buns? Did you you guys take a close look at the buns? No. What happened to those buns? I've zoomed in here. What do you mean what happened to the buns? They have his fingerprint. Yeah, they're soft. Why was he? Why was he beating up the the hot dog buns? I don't understand. You know, they took that sentence in a different direction. I know. I saw Jonathan <laughs> so wait. I know. I've never. I've never handled hot dog buns and like and left fingerprints in them. When I, it's not just an indentation. He ha, he. I don't know. Why are you so rough with the hot dog buns that you're leaving literal fingerprints? On where you gotta opened pry, up. Got to pry them open, man. Three. Got to pry you, those things open. And my final complaint about the meal itself before we move into the third. You don't put ketchup on a hot dog. Ketchup does not belong on hot dogs. Yeah. Judd and I have oh, had this disagreement oh, yeah. no, a do. number of times. Yeah. It's un-American. It's flanked by you, mustard. You, you just do you, don't no. do it. It's, yeah. it's wrong. No, Everything wrong. about that is wrong. Can we get to the real disturbing thing now? First shirtless patio dinner? First? Who... This is a regular thing? I have so many questions about a guy who pretty much resembles me taking off his shirt to eat. <laughs> when people can Kane see him. Dog. What's that, Jonathan? Yeah. And it's a hot dog and there's ketchup on board. I just don't get why. I, I got to talk I, about that. If you're, especially attire. like if you're at an apartment and there, it's, it's, it's clearly public, like there's probably other patios yeah. in and his around. His patio apparently looks out over a parking lot. Yeah. So like, there's imagine coming people home looking from, at you. Imagine no. coming home from work. No, I'm good. Long hard day work. You pull no. into your parking spot. The first thing you see is a pale shirtless Ross Brendel stuffing a ketchup smothered hot dog into his face. I don't care with ketchup dripping all over his you chest. See, I wasn't even gonna go there. I don't care. I don't care about the ketchup. What the food is? Yeah, it's the fact that he has no shirt on while he's eating. That's that the biggest problem. really okay. disturbs me. Can I say, like, I'm not as insecure about taking my shirt off as Rami for sure, and it sounds like no, Judd as well. Oh, yeah, no, right? no, no, I'm good. Now, I don't have I'm any business taking my shirt off, okay? I'm not, I am not at all in good enough shape to take my shirt off whenever I please, but, um, but even I, as not as insecure as you guys, draw the line at <laughs> sitting out on a patio for dinner. In fact, the only meal I think it makes any sense, any sense at all to take <laughs> your shirt off sense. for is if... You're you're stumbling out for breakfast, and you just want to pour yourself a bowl of cereal, and you're in good shape, okay? Like, sit at your kitchen table, but why are you outside with no shirt, not in good shape, eating green beans and two hot dogs? Regularly. Ross. Because he says first. It's the first shirtless patio of dinner. This is going to be, and apparently has been, a regular occurrence for young Ross Brendel. Why? Why? Is why? First, so many questions. That's the only question I have. It's just about like six things in between the caption and the picture itself. I I just ask why about six different things that are going on in this tweet. Of all, why, Ross? Of all the people that we work with, the only one that I might have guessed might go shirtless on a patio while he eats something might would be Declan because he's thin and he's a little bit goofy. But other than that, I would have never in my wildest dreams guessed that Ross Brendel hits the patio with no shirt on. In fact, is there anybody else at Score North besides Declan that you would even think would like send a tweet like this? No. 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 
Because I'm why? I'm shocked by all of it. And I don't. I know I you. You guys don't seem as disturbed. By what he did to this bread, as I am. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I didn't look that Honestly, you could. You you wouldn't even have to dust it for fingerprints. Like you can just. Yeah, you, can just see you the could identify the Ross Brendel by the prints on the hot that he left on the hot dog bun. Like I understand a slight indentation, but man, you mangled those things. Use a knife if they're not pre-sliced hot dog buns. Use a knife, man. What did you do to those hot dog buns? And here's my other question, okay? When you set up your plate, you're outside, you're on your patio, and you're getting all situated, you got your white claw and your blue moon koozie, you got your green beans. Do you sit down? Like, have you walked out on the patio? By the way, there's no sun, so it's not like you're, you know, I'm going to bronze my shoulders for a little bit. Did you walk out there shirtless, or did you sit down and say, you know what would really top this dinner off if I took my shirt off? It reads like he plans to go shirtless. (laughs) Looking at this picture more... He's not like three, four stories up. He's second level. Second floor. So when people pull into their driveway. He's like making eye contact with people. Right there. Right there in those people's driving These poor people coming home, going into quarantine. The last thing they see is Ross Brendel shirtless with a hot dog in his mouth. The only scenario in which I need to be shirtless for a meal is if it's like a romantic getaway and it involves strawberry chocolate situation. Okay? And I hope you've been in the gym. That's it. I hope you've been in the gym for a month. And the lights are off. Okay. How many times? How many times do you think it's been spoken in Ross's apartment complex or building? Honey, he's out there again. <laughs> Yes. Guess we'll just have to wait till he leaves. Somebody comes home and the first thing they say is, "Who the hell is that guy?" You know what? I'll grab the groceries later. They can sit out there. Oh my god! So, all right. Well, Ross, I guess if you uh, if you want to keep the shirtless patio pics coming, we'll. Uh, but we'll like, who else would even? Them. I just want to know if if this is in any way, shape, or form normal, and I just don't know it. I'm so anti-shirt off. Yeah, do people... I like, mean, do t- pe- Is this, like, sort of normal? Tweet the show. At Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting. Do you take your shirt off when eating meals? <laughs> even in my... Like, forget being outside. Even in my own apartment with closed doors, closed blinds, nobody can see. I can't... Yes. I can't fathom eating shirtless. I'm with you. Why? It's weird. Especially, like... You know, if I, listen, if I'm shirtless and I just you know, I'm, I'm putting in some good workouts and I'm going to have a nice little like spring chicken salad. Okay, okay. Still, if I if I haven't worked out and I'm going to pound a couple of hot dogs <laughs> and crush a couple claws, like I need after I stomped on the hot dog buns. Have you ever started to, to eat and been like something's missing here? Oh, my shirt's on. <laughs> I'm sensing this is an athlete challenge. Oh my no. God. No, I'm not doing this. Ross, we love you, but man. Man. All right. When we come back, get off my plane. Action movie rewind. Air Force One here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Score North and the Score North app. Let's talk about Federated, one of our partners here on the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. Federated wants to thank medical professionals, wants to thank rescue workers for all your service. And also thank you to local businesses that are going through such a unique and difficult time right now. You local businesses are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. You can visit federatedinsurance.com or call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources you may need. Trusted resources like recommended response plans during the pandemic, 
policies, procedures, even communications to employees during this time, and resources for HR-related topics as well. Again, it's federatedinsurance.com where you can get those trusted resources. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Action Movie Rewind is next. You may not be currently thinking about blood donation, but blood is needed every day by patients facing a range of serious illnesses, even during the coronavirus pandemic. If you're healthy, please schedule an appointment to donate by visiting redcrossblood.org or use the keyword red over at scorenorth.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business during the coronavirus pandemic. You can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North app. We are all in this together, and we need your support to help our local community. To hear from our area partners, please visit scorenorth.com. Use the keyword open also over at scorenorth.com right now. The final chapter, chapter four of the 20 greatest journeyman quarterback seasons of all time has been released by Matthew Collar and PFF's Eric Eager as they look at the top five journeyman quarterbacks of journeyman quarterback seasons of all time. And uh, if you're a Vikings fan, you probably won't like seasons four and one just because of the relation to how they affected the Vikings season. So go check that out over at scorenorth.com and the free scorenorth mobile app. That's when your scorenorth download. Now back to Mackie and Judith Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. Action Movie Rewind in about 30 minutes from now. But earlier, we had a chance to catch up with hockey legend Mike Madonna, North Stars legend. This is part of a Minnesota Sports Rewind episode, which we urge you to subscribe to if you're into amazing deep dives into prominent Minnesota sports events. Apple, Spotify, uh, Score North app. But Mike Madonna, primarily on the story behind, from his perspective, the North Stars moving to Dallas in 1993. Let's roll it, Jonathan. Over 400 career goals in the NHL, over 1,000 career points, Stanley Cup winner, Hockey Hall of Famer, and current executive advisor for the Minnesota Wild, our next guest, Mike Madano. Thank you for joining the show today, Mike. I'm pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, before we dive into things from long ago and, and, and get, get into the rewind subjects, what's it like being in the front office of one of the major professional sports organizations that's sitting here in the middle of a quarantine period. Are you, are you getting antsy? Um, yeah, to say the least, I think it was, uh, especially the timing of it all right there at the end of the season where you're just in the, the home stretch. Every game was very meaningful and, um, intense and the guys were really into it and playing well at that time. And, you know, the, uh, this, the schedule and the standings were getting tight and guys were running out of games. So everything was so, uh, every game was impactful. So, I mean, it just, um, it's, it's a real bummer. It was a, it's the best part of the time of the year to be playing and, and to be sitting here kind of in uh, no man's land, not knowing what we're going to do or what the future holds. It's, um, it's upsetting. Mike, what, what does your gut say, too, as far as the potential? We've heard all types of scenarios, maybe going to Grand Forks, uh, but as far as uh, resuming hockey for the 2019-20 season, do you think it's realistic to go as late as July, or does there come a point in time, as a former player, you can speak to this, where the layoff has been such that it would be very tough to come back and then almost just continue going into the 2020-21 season? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm hearing rumblings. They, 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 they'll play in July and August if it, if it works out. 
Um, I just think logistics-wise, I mean, they think they might run into some snags as far as what buildings are available and, and what the dates are because everybody kind of punches in their dates at the start of the year for obviously in April and May, considering if you do make the playoffs, so those those home dates are available and everything. So now now knowing that you got to go into July and August and you're kind of uh, running into some other events and schedules uh, that were going in through the Excel Center, it's um, – is trying to find dates, so I, I mean, I can I can see where they're going, where these neutral site uh, cities might be uh, plausible. But again, I think it's going to be done with no fans. Um, you know, it's just too early. It's too quick of a transition into a, a full blown normal life um, going into sports, which is desperately needed in the world today, in the U.S. especially with uh, what's going on. So I I, I know there'll be Obviously, uh, more safe than sorry, but yeah, it'd be nice to squeeze in by in August and then kind of worry about next year as far as crunching in a schedule as far as maybe canceling the All-Star game and getting rid of the bye week so you can kind of make up some time there so the following season, possibly, we could be back on schedule. Yeah, Mike Madonna, how did you personally find out about a potential move to Dallas in 1993? Uh... Well, I think it was the following year um, that uh, Norm came in and uh, um, changed a little bit of the uniforms. I think we, I think it was that third or fourth year, um, changed the logo. Um, so I think that was really kind of possibly the start that with that type of logo and that type of uh, – name you can obviously go anywhere um getting rid of the end was kind of a big move i thought as far as the jerseys were concerned but so now the uh the next couple of years there's rumblings and you know he was putting a lot of his personal money into the met trying to upgrade it update it and put some bars and restaurants and suites and changed out the seats and everything so there was a lot of money that he had put in personally but uh that was hard to make up in that in that day and age without you know Raising ticket prices, I think he raised them like twenty five or twenty eight bucks. <laughs> the lower bowl tickets were, so I think people were a little outraged at that, at the raise in prices, and um, you know, so it was just kind of a slow, a slow, um, slow death there with uh, with being there. So you know, certain teams, certain cities came popping up. Uh, Anaheim was one of them, and Hamilton and Seattle. Um, I want to say Dallas was just kind of a last-second pitch that they made to us uh, or to the North Stars because they had a they had a building, they had a reunion. It was it, it was capable of making ice, so it was really um, uh, it wasn't until the last second that Dallas came in and, and made a good bid and, and Norm jumped at it. So, Mike, how, how much had you guys seriously considered or talked about the prospect of that potential move before it became official uh, sometime in March of 1993? I think we always discussed it. I think the guys would always bring it up, and, and we'd discuss it of what they're hearing, what's the latest, and whoever had a little bit of a inside look at what uh, Norm was thinking or, or Bob Ganey or what was going on. So everybody thought they had a little bit of an inside scoop and um, – you know, but I think in the back of our minds, we always thought, you know, there's really no way a team, the team can move from Minnesota. You know, it's just, 
it's just uh, where hockey is. It's, it's too good of a town. Um, it's too good of a hockey, uh, hockey city, um, the whole state for that matter. So we really thought, nah, you know, there's no chance. At the end, there's something's going to get worked out and we'll be end up staying. And uh, we were really, uh, we were shocked when, when that spring uh, we got some letters in the mail about uh, expecting you to camp in Dallas. So, Take me through also that uh, from the day that that became official in March of that year, uh, because, you know, with all the uncertainty, you guys started to struggle. But just what was it like playing out the string? And I went back a couple of weeks ago and watched your last home game against the Blackhawks, and it is a really weird thing to watch. As a player, how unusual was that whole dynamic of guys knowing that they were playing out the string for a team that was going to move? Yeah, it was tough because, uh, um, yeah, I think mentally and everything was just kind of, uh, yeah, you felt a little bit responsible that you didn't make, uh, uh, maybe it make, didn't make the game enjoyable or didn't uh, bring out the fans enough uh, with what we were doing, what we were trying to accomplish as a team. Maybe the product wasn't as exciting as uh, we hoped for. Um, you know, so you always felt a little bit of uh, responsible responsibility and and that happening so um yeah it's still it was tough that last couple weeks and certainly that last game just knowing that that was it we're like we just were really uh we're really shocked that it really kind of uh reality was setting in how how do you think your life and or i mean your career wound up being one of the best of all time and obviously you're beloved in dallas and it, it worked out fine um, and now you're back here helping the Wild. But do you ever think about how your life and career would have been different had the North Star stayed in Minnesota for the the 20 years of your career? Yeah, I, I think about that a lot. I think about what would could have been uh, the situation if we if I did stay there for 20 years with the with the North Stars and we stayed in that town. What uh, what uh, the possibilities could have been, or what we could have uh, accomplished. Um, as a team, because, uh, you know, granted, we probably would have had the same personnel, same players that came in, uh, to Minnesota that we did in Dallas. So it would have been, uh, some exciting hockey and some exciting, exciting times to play that type of, uh, that type of, type of level of hockey in, uh, in Minnesota, um, at that time. So yeah, it really, uh, uh there's a lot of what ifs, uh, could have been 20 years with the North Stars, what, uh, what we could have been able to do. It would have been, uh, it would have been great to see. It would have been great to been able to uh, have a reality of that uh, that set in. So I, I, I missed that. I wish it would have happened. What do you, do you recall about that last home game against the Blackhawks? Too, just as far as the uh, mood and and I believe it was at the start of that game that you guys essentially got a standing ovation. So they still loved the team and players. They didn't like Norm, of course, Mike, but they loved the team and players. What do you? What did you uh, take away from or recall from that night in particular? Yeah, I think the ovation was tough. Once we, we once we saw that, we're like, wow, this is this is really, you know, emotional just as much for the fans and for the city as it was for the players to kind of say goodbye and, you know, not knowing if it was ever going to be the last time that they'd see NHL hockey in that city or that state. So it was really kind of uh, a thought of this is this is the end of the end. So you're never going to have hockey here again, um, professionally. So I, I think fans were really kind of, uh, um, 
kind of letting their feelings and their emotions out. And the ovation was great. Just, you know, it was really kind of a tough way to start that night when they did that. Was there one person in particular, a player or coach, who you thought took it the hardest that the team was going to uproot from Minnesota? Uh, boy, I'd probably say Neil Broughton. I think Neil was really kind of torn up. I think he just, you know, being a Minnesota guy and playing for the U and then the North Stars, I think he just, uh, um, him for sure, I just, you know, he felt bad because he, he really took it personal. He really took it hard and, and just having to move, especially towards the end of his career. Um, you know, he played a couple more years, uh, won a cup, thankfully, in, in, in Jersey. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he too, he would have loved to, he would have loved to have been able to start and finish his career in Minnesota um, like a few of us could have been. So, yeah, he was, he was torn up about it. So a couple more things for you here. We appreciate you just reflecting back here, Mike Madano. Um, with your work now with the Wild, how much, I don't know if obligation is the, is the right word, but like, how much do you think, man, the state of hockey and with what happened to the North Stars moving and, and there, there's never been a Stanley Cup championship here, how much, does, how much weight does that carry, you helping out with the delivery of a Stanley Cup championship here in Minnesota? Oh, that would be certainly uh, a full circle. I think it would be um, the topping of it all to be able to help uh, in any way or help Billy Guerin, help the organization, help uh, Craig Leopold win a Stanley Cup to, um, to let those guys feel of what, it, what it feels like winning one of those. So um, I know Craig's just dying to have a chance. Uh, you know, he's not going to stop until he wins one. So he's, uh, he's really into it. But to, to be able to be a part of uh, – uh, putting the pieces together to ultimately win a cup there would be, uh, boy, it would be, uh, it'd be, uh, a great way to return all those, uh, great early years that I had and, and give them something to cheer about. And I think that town and that state would, uh, would absolutely go crazy for it. So we're, we're, we're hoping we can accomplish that. And it'd be a nice, uh, It'd be a nice delivery if we could do that for him. Mike, I say this knowing that players hate to lose, uh, but, but when you came back here for the first time with the Dallas Stars to play the Wild and I think lost uh, six rip at the X, what's going through your mind uh, just o- overall in the fact that this was your first game back here? Um, I think fans still liked you a lot, but what was that dynamic like to see a hockey team back here? It beats your club badly, which at that time people were still mad at, how weird was that whole environment that uh, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon? Um, it was tough. I can't, cause, uh, when that schedule came out that summer and we saw like, uh, that was the date we're going back to Minnesota. I think we all thought that ones that were still left there, like, uh, we had it circled thinking, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a tough game to play in. We knew it was going to be just, uh, 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 Tough, uh, tough crowd. I think they were going to be just on us. They were going to let their feelings know, and it's been a slow build up for a long time since we left to now, to that date. So we knew going into it, it was going to be just a, one of those games. You're like, okay, it'd probably be best if they just we just let them win it and have their moment and, and, and move on. So, but it was. Um, I actually did watch the game the other night. They replayed it on Fox Sports North, and um, yep, you know we. Uh, we peppered them left and right. We had more power plays than I think we had in a long time. And uh, Manny Fernandez played great. And 
you know, they're pretty opportunistic in their goals on Belfour. So it was just, uh, it was probably fitting that that game was uh, finished the way it did for them and the fans. How emotional was it uh, for you, too, in the game that you played here when afterwards you went back into, I think, the room and came out with a North Star jersey on, which I think for a lot of people in the stands was incredibly emotional because to see that jersey just, for a lot of us, uh, conjures up great thoughts and uh, memories. What did that mean for you to be able to do that? Um, it was great. It was, you know, Billy Robertson came up with the idea and he kind of flagged me down after the game. And, uh, but he brought it up before the game. He's thinking, Hey, I'm thinking this. I go, just, you know, grab me after the game. We'll, we'll, we'll do something. And, and, uh, he's like, you know, then he kind of surprised me with the jerseys. Like, Hey, you know, you want to throw a jersey on? It was my last game, obviously, uh, for, uh, with Dallas in Minnesota, the last game of the year. And, and I thought it was my last game of my career. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really neat. And, uh, you know, a lot of people stuck around to, uh, hear who the stars of the game were and then yep. to, to kind of take a, take a lap with the jersey on, uh, was great because there's still a lot of people there that I recognize and still remember from the Met Center days that are just big, big hockey fans that were season ticket holders now for the wild. So it was, it was a pretty special deal. Hey, how close did you also come after that instead of going uh, to play your last year in Detroit to coming back here to play for uh, um, for the Wild one year? It was close. I mean, it it crossed my mind. I I, I really thought about it. I, I figured if I was going to do one more year, it was going to be either Minnesota or Detroit. Um, being from Detroit and just growing up, being around the Red Wings and uh, the Illiches and everything else um, would have been special, but certainly would have been really uh interesting to to do a, a one-year deal back in minnesota so i think back it would have been neat i would have really loved uh doing one more year in minnesota it would have been a lot of fun last thing sir when, when's the last time that you saw norm green and do you ever feel you got the real good answer about why he did move uh i you know there's always speculations i don't think there's really been one concrete answer to to it that this was why we left i think there's always been um a little bit of an unanswered uh situation that you know how could you not make uh work out something with someone go down to the target center or just kind of make it work at the net for a little while and so maybe you built a new arena um you know so it's been a while since i've seen norm it's been a long long time um you know he was in he's still in dallas so um, I haven't seen or heard from him probably since uh, my Jersey retirement back in Dallas uh, uh, a couple of years ago. So it's, it's been a while. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. We appreciate your career and uh, and everything you've done for, for Minnesota hockey. And we wish you the best during this however long it lasts quarantine period too, man. Thanks Thank, for coming on. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take Be care. Safe. Take Bye. care. All right. That was Mike Madano. Minnesota Hockey Legend, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup winner, and you can find a full episode and a deep dive into the North Stars moving to Dallas and a bunch of what if questions. Minnesota Sports Rewind, anywhere you find podcasts, Apple and Spotify, a couple of good places where you can subscribe. Gentlemen, uh, before we get to, yeah, we got about eight or 10 minutes before we get to Action Movie Rewind here. So, our friend and marketing manager here, Ross Brendel at Score North. Sent a tweet out last night. Rami, are you there in studio quarantine? I, yes, Q? I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Just want to make sure because 
This is right up your alley. Kind of wish I wasn't for this coming segment, but yeah, I'm here. <laughs> How'd you decide it was right up his alley? So, well, it's right or, up all of our alleys, really, but I don't know. So, Ross tweets a photo last night, and uh, it's a photo of some sort of some sort of patio so. situation. He's got his table out there. He's got a white claw. So much wrong with this. In a blue moon, uh, uh, what do you call it, koozie? Mm-hmm. We probably still have some Mackie and Judd koozies in our promo closet from previous state fairs. Oh, Ricey and Mackie koozies. Ricey and Mackie koozies. Two hot dogs mm-hmm. with mustard and ketchup. Is there ketchup on there? I didn't see ketchup. There's some ketchup on there. Oh, there is. Yeah, zoom closer. Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. Some green beans. So he's got two. Another his dinner thing, is. Another thing wrong with that. Two hot dogs green. and green beans. Man, what are you doing? And so it's a, it's a photo of just the plate on a table on his patio at his apartment okay. overlooking a parking lot, okay? And the caption is, first shirtless patio dinner of spring-summer quarantine. <laughs> I hope the, I hope the uh, and then you misspelled something here, but I hope the something enjoy, no, I hope the neighbors enjoy the show and pale top half. All right? So where do we start with this? Because Let's start with the food. Okay. Let's start with the food, and then we'll get into the most disturbing part of this, all right? <laughs> okay. Definitely. I got no problem. I, I'm a firm believer that you should have something green with dinner every night, okay? You should have some kind of vegetable incorporated into your meal. every. So I got no problem with the green beans, but where are the potato chips? Where are the fries? Where are the things you actually eat with hot dogs? Why just green beans and hot dogs? Two, what happened to those buns? Did you did you guys take a close look at the buns? No. What happened to those buns? I've zoomed in here. What do you mean? What Describe happened to buns? They have his fingerprint. Like he. Yeah, they're soft. Why was he? Why was he beating up the the hot dog buns? I don't understand. <laughs> you know, they took that sentence in a different direction. I know. I saw Jonathan <laughs> so wait. I know. I've never I've never handled hot dog buns and like and left fingerprints in them when I, it's not just an indentation. He had. He, I don't know, why are you so rough with the hot dog buns that you're leaving literal fingerprints on where you gotta opened pry, up? Got to pry them open, man. Three. Got to pry you, those things open. And my final complaint about the meal itself before we move into the third, you don't put ketchup on a hot dog. Ketchup does not belong on hot dogs. Yeah. Judd and I have oh, had this disagreement oh, yeah. no, a do. number of times. Yeah. It's un-American. It's flanked by you, mustard. You what just do you, don't no. do it. It's, yeah. it's wrong. No, Everything wrong. about that is wrong. Can we get to the real disturbing thing now? First shirtless patio dinner? First? Who? This is a regular thing? I have so many questions <laughs> about a guy who pretty much resembles me taking off his shirt to eat. <laughs> when and people can see him. Dog. What's that, Jonathan? Yeah. And it's a hot dog and there's ketchup on board. I just don't get why. I, I got to talk I, about that. If you're, especially attire. like, if you're at an apartment and there, it's, it's, it's clearly public, like there's probably other patios yeah. in and His around. His patio apparently looks out over a parking lot. Yeah. So like, there's imagine clearly coming people home looking from, at you. Imagine no. coming home from work. No. I'm good. Long, hard day work. You pull nope. into your parking spot. The first thing you see is a pale shirtless Ross Brendel stuffing a ketchup smothered hot dog into his face. I don't care. With ketchup dripping all over his you chest. See, I wasn't even going to go there. I don't care, I don't care about the ketchup. what the food is. Yeah. It's the fact that he has no shirt on while he's eating. That's that the biggest problem. really okay. disturbs me. Can I say, like, I'm not as insecure about taking my shirt off as Rami for sure, and it sounds like no, Judd as well. Oh, yeah, no, right? no. no, I'm good. Now, I don't have I'm any business taking my shirt off, okay? I'm not, I am not at all in good enough shape to take my shirt off whenever I please, but 
Um, but even I, as not as insecure as you guys, draw the line at sitting out on a patio for dinner. In fact, the only meal I think it makes any sense, any sense at all to take your shirt off sense. for, is if you're you're stumbling out for breakfast and you just want to pour yourself a bowl of cereal and you're in good shape, okay? Like, sit at your kitchen table. But why are you outside with no shirt, not in good shape, eating green beans and two hot dogs? Regularly. Ross. Because he says first. It's the first shirtless patio of dinner. This is going to be, and apparently has been, a regular occurrence for young Ross Brendel. Why? Why? Is Why? First, so many questions. That's the only question I have. It's just about, like, six things in between the caption and the picture itself. I I just ask why about six different things that are going on in this tweet. Of all, why, Ross? Of all the people that we work with, the only one that I might have guessed might go shirtless on a patio while he eats something might would be Declan because he's thin and he's a little bit goofy. But other <laughs> than that, I would have never in my wildest dreams guessed that Ross Brendel Hits the patio with no shirt on. In fact, is there anybody else at Score North besides Declan that you would even think would like send a tweet like this? No. Uh, no. 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 Because I'm why? I'm shocked by all of it. And I don't, I know I you, you guys don't seem as disturbed by what he did to this bread as I am. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> I'm not. I didn't look that close Honestly, you, could, you, you wouldn't even have to dust it for fingerprints. Like, you can just, yeah. you can just see You could identify the Ross Brendel by the prints on the hot, that he left on the hot dog bun. Like, I understand a slight indentation, but man, you mangled those things. Use a knife. If they're not pre-sliced hot dog buns, use a knife, man. What did you do to those hot dog buns? And here's my other question, okay? When you set up your plate, you're outside, you're on your patio, and you're getting all situated, you got your white claw and your blue moon koozie, you got your green beans. Do you sit down? Like, have you walked out on the patio? By the way, there's no sun, so it's not like you're, you know, I'm going to bronze my shoulders for a little bit. Did you walk out there shirtless, or did you sit down and say, you know what would really top this dinner off if I took my shirt off? It reads like he plans to go shirtless. <laughs> Looking at this picture more, he's not like three, four stories up. He's second level. Second floor. So when people pull into their driveway. He's like making eye contact. Bang, right there. Right there. Yeah. Right there in those people's <laughs> driving These view. poor people coming home, going into quarantine. The last thing they see is Ross Brendel shirtless with a hot dog in his mouth. The only scenario in which I need to be shirtless for a meal is if it's like a romantic getaway and it involves strawberry chocolate situation. Okay? And I hope you've been in the gym. That's it. I hope you've been in the gym for a month. And the lights are off. Okay. How many times? How many nope. times do you think it's been spoken in Ross's apartment complex or building? Honey, he's out there again. <laughs> Yes. Guess we'll just have to wait till he leaves. Somebody comes home and the first thing they say is, "Who the hell is that guy?" You know what? I'll grab the groceries later. They can sit out there. Oh my god! So, all right. Well, Ross, I guess if you uh, if you want to keep the shirtless patio pics coming, we'll. Uh, we'll but just like, keep who else would even? Them. I just want to know if if this is in any way, shape, or form normal, and I just don't know it. I'm so anti-shirt off. Yeah, do people... I like, mean, do pe- Is this, like, sort of normal? Tweet the show. At Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting. Do you take your shirt off when eating meals? Even in my... Like, forget being outside. Even in my own apartment with closed doors, closed blinds, nobody can see. I can't... 
Yes. I can't fathom eating shirtless. I'm with you. Why? It's weird. Especially like, you know, if I, listen, if I'm shirtless and I just, you know, I'm, I'm putting in some good workouts and I'm going to have a nice little like spring chicken salad. Okay. Okay. Still, if, I'm, if I haven't worked out <laughs> and I'm going to pound a couple of hot dogs <laughs> and crush a couple claws, like, I need After I stomped on the hot dog buns. <laughs> Have you ever started to, to eat and been like, something's missing here? Oh, my shirt's on. <laughs> I'm sensing this is an athlete challenge. Oh, my no. God. No, I'm not oh doing this. Ross, we love you, but man. Man. All right. When we come back, get off my plane. Action movie rewind. Air Force One here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Score North and the Score North app. Let's talk about Federated, one of our partners here on the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. Federated wants to thank medical professionals, wants to thank rescue workers for all your service, and also thank you to local businesses that are going through such a unique and difficult time right now. You local businesses are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. You can visit federatedinsurance.com or call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources you may need. Trusted resources like recommended response plans during the pandemic, policies, procedures, even communications to employees during this time, and resources for HR-related topics as well. Again, it's federatedinsurance.com where you can get those trusted resources. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Action Movie Rewind is next. You may not be currently thinking about blood donation, but blood is needed every day by patients facing a range of serious illnesses, even during the coronavirus pandemic. If you're healthy, please schedule an appointment to donate by visiting redcrossblood.org or use the keyword red over at scorenorth.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Time is running short for some cash relief with Score North listening rewards for the month of April. Thanks to our awesome partners, Score North is giving you the chance at $25 to $200 in cash just for listening to us and having the Score North app. For your chance at free cash, download the Score North app and enter through listening rewards over at scorenorth.com right now and on that free Score North mobile app. Matthew Caller has his piece on how each Vikings draft pick fits on the depth chart, as well as his profile on K.J. Osborne and how he'll make a difference any way he can for the Vikings, as well as the final chapter of the 20 greatest journeyman quarterback seasons of all time, listing out the top five there. So go check all those out and all of our draft-related coverage out at scorenorth.com, all for free, as well as on the free Scorenorth mobile app. That's been your Scorenorth download. Now back to Mackie and Jonathan Rami. We'll do a cram session here in just a second, but we have another Another report of a possible baseball plan here, gentlemen. This one from Bob Nightingale. He had one of the other ones at some point in the last couple of weeks, USA Today. I'm just going to read this. I have, I have admittedly not read through this yet, so I'm gonna, we're all learning on the fly here together. He writes, maybe it's a dream scenario. Maybe it's premature to get excited. Then again, maybe it just might work. MLB officials have become cautiously optimistic that the season will start in late June and no later than July 2nd, playing at least 100 regular season games, according to three executives with knowledge of the talks. Not only would baseball be played, but it would be played in their own major league ballparks, albeit with no fans. MLB is considering a three-division, 10-team plan in which teams play only within their division, a concept gaining support among owners and executives. 
It would abolish the traditional AL and NL alignment and realign the divisions based on geography. The plan, pending approval of medical experts and providing COVID-19 testing is available to the public, would eliminate the need for players to be in isolation and allow them to still play at their home ballparks while severely reducing travel. The divisions would look like this. I'm just going to skip to the Twins division. The Central Division. Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, Tigers. I'm assuming that there would be... Maybe they would. Maybe it's in the article here, but uh, the DH. I'm assuming is going to be a question mark here. So, your guys' thoughts on this as framework? I don't believe it. You think you think it's a lie? I don't think this is real. I don't think this is something they're considering. And Rob Manfred, I'm not going to fall for the for the banana in the tailpipe. It's not happening, dude. I know what you're trying to do here. I see what you're trying to do. I get it. You think we're all idiots. You tried to sneak the Red Sox news in just before the draft started last week so that you wouldn't get filleted and lambasted for that. And now that the NFL draft has come and passed and people have time to focus their energy and their anger on something and might backtrack and find out the sham of an investigation that you conducted about the Boston Red Sox and the the tap on the wrist penalty that they got. You're going to put this out there as you're going to dangle these keys in front of us to try and distract us from the clown corrupt commissioner that you are. I'm not falling for it. I don't think this is a real plan. It sounds stupid. Of all the plans that we've heard, if I am going to assess and address the actual plan, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. And that's why I don't believe that this is a real viable plan and this is what they'll be going with. I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. Sorry. So you don't like it then? I don't like it and I don't <laughs> believe it. Well, the one of the, one distinction here and this is this is why I do I like that they're if this is real and I do think that they are iterating on all of these different ideas. Some of the high-profile players that came out and said, "Hey, if we do the whole season in either Arizona or Florida, and do the two, you know, the two-league thing, and just like all the Florida teams and all the Arizona teams stay in their in those states, then we wouldn't get to see our families for like four months. And so this would be a way to allow players to continue to see their families at home and sleep in their own beds. So I, I do see the logic behind this plan. What's the schedule like then, as far as how they would divvy games up, just in the divisions?" Yep, you'd only play the nine other teams in in your division. division. So the Twins would play the Cubs, and they would play the Cardinals, the Brewers. Here's my thing. Don't you think that um, all sports have like eight plans going? And they leak out slowly, but but surely. And I think that there's some strategy in trying to get them out there to sort of test the temperature of how people react. Uh, That being said, I've got to think the most, unfortunately for players, the most realistic plan to me if you're going to go as as soon as possible let's say june something mm-hmm. has to be to go in confined spaces right arizona florida arizona more likely i just don't know how how are you going to have it because there's still you know i would guess into the summer going to be hot spots right so can you afford to go to those places and be like ah but there's no fans yeah i mean it just kind of depends you you can be know. in a hot spot as long as you're not Around other like if it, if you're just right. quarantined to your team, but like how do you make sure that no one else then is working yeah. TV from those cities? It just it just seems to me like if you're going to try and do something off the wall, that you're probably better off having as much control of the players as possible. I don't know. Yeah, let's hit a cram session here, Jonathan. Let's do this. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. 
In other news. That's the wrong button. There we go. There it is, oh, right there. Combining segment. <laughs> Sorry. Segment within a segment. Yep. My bad. All right, fire away. This is where Jonathan asks us <laughs> that three wacky questions. Wacky Rob Manfred. <laughs> Jonathan asks us three questions and then awards a point based on who answered the question most to his liking. So far this season, courtesy of our official statistician, listener Marcus, Judd has eight wins, Rami has five, I have three all-time, Judd with 28 wins, Rami with 21, and I have 19. Let's do this. All right, so question one, we saw in the last dance how Jordan had to go to Vegas to get Rodman back. So my question to you is, what's the weirdest slash craziest uh, story of you guys helping a coworker or a coworker helping you. I don't have a good one on this one. Go I'll, ahead. I'll tell you. you don't. I'll tell you one. You work in radio. How do you not? You never helped your second co-host. I no, I could. Say, I I've could heard, tell you one of those. I've heard of Judd's history. <laughs> with okay, I, I could tell you one of those. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll start here. I was thinking more newspaper. But okay. Uh, the statue of limitations has probably passed on this. It was about ten years ago, Vikings training camp, and uh, a fellow by the name of Tom Pelissero and myself got. Uh, wow couple extra drinks in us at the local Mankato campus bar. No. May have been there even past closing time. Thank you, John. I'm not sure if that was legal. but uh, No, it wasn't. The owner, it is no longer the owner there for those reasons. We had a good time. It was a good time. Such a good time, in fact, that, and he he might kill me for telling this story, but (laughs) on our walk back across the street to the American, (laughs) I was every bit as like blitzed as he was, and the next day had to make a bathroom trip during all 16 commercial breaks of the old Mackie and, or the old uh, Roycey and Mackie show. Well, Tom wanted to take a little nap on the parking lot of cement. It's like 2.30 in the morning. It's so like, I'm like, no, dude, like, we probably shouldn't do that. And so him and I literally leaned on each other as we oh, walked no. across the parking lot of the American <laughs> and just like stumbled back to, I think it was just one of our rooms. And I wound up just sleeping on the floor because I couldn't remember how to get back to your room. It was not, it was not ideal. So who helped whom? Well, I helped him in that moment. And then I think he probably helped me as we like climbed up the steps and leaned on each other. So. Right. There's more to the story too, but we got literally like both at a 45 degree yeah. angle and just, you're, you were holding much, each yeah. other up. With, it was a great night with your body weight. It was super fun. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. Judd. I don't know that I have one. I'm over here trying to think of so, one. I don't know that I got one. Uh, okay. So my second co-host here at the station, <clears throat> um, there was one day where he where something happened with the person driving him to work that day, and so he was um, unceremoniously let off in the middle of I ninety four across from the Huron Street ramp, and uh, unfortunately he was let off uh, going so the car was going eastbound and he was let off on the left side of the road. So the ramp is on one side of the road and he is on the other side, and the person that um, dropped him off. Drives off, and so he has to dash across the street. Oh no! Or <laughs> street, silly me. The highway. Freeway. The highway. Yeah, man. For, he has oh, to good run. Lord. And then he starts what? to. And then he uh, calls me on, on a cell phone and says, "Can you pick me up at, at the old Arby's there at the corner?" By the way, this was playing out on the traffic cam. Uh, but as well. I was going to say, <laughs> Kenny. Kenny Olson says. Where is he? And so I asked, and he said, I'm walking up the Huron Street ramp. So Kenny, who had access to like yeah. four traffic cams, turns to that one, and here's my second co-host, the poor guy, walking up the <laughs> Huron Street ramp after going across the freeway. So bad. Uh, and wow. he hoofed it all the way to Arby's, and I picked him up there, and uh, I guess that would qualify oh. to... 
answer Jonathan's question as helping somebody I worked with. I got nothing. God, I got nothing that good. I'm, I might have something better. It's just not coming to mind right now. The best I can come up with, my former co-host in Milwaukee, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, he and his lovely lady uh, were having a baby <laughs> who now is three or four years old. And I was called over for the old, hey, can you help us put together some Ikea furniture Oh no! for the kid's nursery, a crib and a dresser to keep oh. all the baby's clothes on. And there are pictures out there, guys. It's the And it is the typical... Two dumbasses trying to put together an <laughs> IKEA piece of furniture and just being defeated. Picture like you, you don't. It needs no caption. You could just look at the picture, see the look on our faces, the various pieces and bolts and screws strewn about the room, and know exactly what was going on there. It was two idiots who couldn't figure out IKEA instructions. Like into the wee hours of the morning. I would struggle too. It was ridiculous. I'd have no ch- no chance. Judd's gonna get the point here. I mean. Put your scouting hat on and call it now. I've assigned each of you guys a player, and why will that player, that Vikings pick from the fourth round or later, become an All-Pro? I'll go first. I love so, Phil. I've given. I you love that you got this one, Nate Stanley, because you liked him yesterday on the airwaves. Judd, you've given. You've been given Blake Brandle, and then Rami. I've given you KJ Osborne. Okay. What was the question again? <laughs> why will that person become an All-Pro? He won't. All pro. <laughs> Nate okay. Stanley will not Rami? become an all pro. I'm reading uh, Matthew Collar's write up on KJ Osborne. Actually, as we speak, at scorenorth.com and the Score North app. And uh, he checks off all the boxes, you guys. Competitive, team player. He'll do whatever the coach asks. He plays every spot on special teams. He's he's a football player. He's a football player, and that's why he'll be an all pro, you guys. It's the best I got. Free plug for the Score North app and Matthew Collar's fine writing. <laughs> Jonathan, Blake Brandle is oh, a sixth-round pick who's going to, who is likely, if you look at scouting reports, to be moved from tackle to guard because of length and consistency in pass protection. But this means, as a tackle, that he has the attributes to be a National Football League guard, athletic, athletic enough to play tackle in college, this is the exact type of guy that drops to the sixth round and you get and you say, thank you very much. I will draw a parallel with a 2008 sixth round pick on the offensive line the Vikings took by the name of John Sullivan, who went on to a uh, very successful career playing center for the Vikings, Washington and the Rams. Blake Brandle, an athlete being moved from tackle to guard makes perfect sense. Pro Bowl player. All pro, too. I mean, since Judd's the only one who actually did research and homework, I'm going to give Judd the just now you were. Yeah. Um, I did tons of research. <laughs> I actually I watched, I watched, I watched, I watched, watched enough, say that. I watched enough Iowa, Iowa football. I googled Nate KJ Stanley Osborne. I googled KJ Osborne Collar's article was the first that came up and started reading it. <laughs> SEO. That's right. <laughs> All right, so last question. I'm putting you guys in charge of the Vikings and you've just get, been given the right to steal one player from each of the division rivals. The only exception is you can't choose Aaron Rodgers, Khalil Mack, or Matthew Stafford. Which players are you adding to the Vikings? And don't worry about the cap hit. Okay. The cap is fake anyway. I got my guy. <laughs> you said it. Doesn't exist. It's David Bakhtiari. Yeah. Packers left tackle. For sure. He's, first of all, a great left tackle. One of the best ones in the league. Yep. Uh, he's Middle Eastern and has a great head of hair, which he and I share both those things in common. And uh, he was a weekly guest 
on my radio show in Milwaukee, and I'm sure we had a good rapport, good relationship. He would be a weekly guest on Mackie and Judd with Rami if he became a Viking. It's good for the Vikings. It's good for the show. It's good for the station. Everybody wins. Give me David Bakhtiari. All right. Who are you choosing from the Bears and the Lions? Oh, I have to take one from yeah. each team? I yeah. thought it was oh, just one. Oh, I thought one. it was just one, too. Oh, okay. Actually, each team. Well, we only have like a minute left in the show. So oh, Rami. In the, in the, let's amend the question because we have a minute left. All right. All right. I'm going to stay in Wisconsin and go Packers, too, but I'm going to go the other side of the football. Um, the line, though, I'm going defensive tackle. Kenny Clark from the Packers. Six sacks last year, nine tackles for a loss, uh, seven quarterback hits in 16 games. In the past three years, he has 16 and a half sacks. He is exactly the type of guy who makes guys like Kirk Cousins miserable, and Kenny Clark in the middle of that Vikings line would fill an immediate need. All right, I'm going to go with the more fun and flashy selection. Bakhtiar was going to be mine just for the beer chugging, but since he's already taken, I'm going to take Kenny Galladay, deep threat receiver with the Detroit Lions. Kenny Galladay, almost 20 yards per reception, and you would then have Thielen Galladay on the outsides, and then you would have your rookie Jefferson in the slot, and that would be super fun to watch in purple. Jonathan? Phil, you're getting the final point here today. I want another wide receiver. Let's stack that wide receiver. Wow. All right, so Judd takes down the victory here in cram session today. Good times, boys. Good times. Uh, Back to Yari. One of the most impressive beer chuggers in Dude. American history. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. His ability to chug? It goes down. Which is harder than I thought. It goes down in, like, no time. <laughs> That's right. Like, Judd did an athlete tried, challenge. I tried that. once, and I failed miserably. <laughs> I thought I'd be good at chugging. I can't chug. I was a poor chugger. <laughs> and I said that right. Poor chugger. There's not, it's not a dirty it's word. Clean, clean as clean. can be. FCC has no problem with that term. You can find our podcast, Mackie and Judd with Rami, on Apple or Spotify, Score North app as well. Please give us, it helps the show and helps spread the word about the show, when you give us a five-star rating and a positive review. As always, Cram Session is powered by Josh Arnold Investments. Judd Zilgan. And right now it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct at 952-925-5608, or you can listen to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Judd. A down day in the market marketplace. Money shifting from my favorite names. Money shifting from the mega names early on today. That being Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, and Google. And moving to retail stocks and travel travel stocks, hotels, airlines, and even cruise lines as people are getting a little bit antsy and moving away from the stay-at-home to moving the we're-going-to-leave-home types of, types of companies. I think this is a very temporary uh, phenomenon because many of the Companies in the travel, hotel, airline, cruise line business had been hurt a lot, and even in many of the retailers, and they've seen a little bit of a uh, bounce. Uh, Yet, I would still stick with the stay-at-home, work-at-home types of companies, as I think in this market environment – and this over 
overall economic environment, these will continue uh, to be winners as there are going to be many shifts in what people do, uh, both in terms of how they work, how they recreate, and how they they shop. I do think that uh, retail companies are going to take a little bit longer to come back, particularly uh, shopping, you know, in in stores. Though uh, so that is definitely something that I definitely want to do. Not so much shop at the store, but definitely go to go to a store, go to some of my favorite uh, restaurants. And I'm getting a little bit antsy with that. Uh, that said, there's also something else that was pretty interesting today, and that was uh, some of the earnings reports that came out early from the likes of uh, 3M and Pfizer both beat uh, any estimates despite uh, withdrawing their uh, guidance for the rest rest of the year, and the withdrawal of guidance or annual guidance is going to be something to pay attention to, you know, going going forward. 3M also got a boost because they're going to keep their dividend, which was a a big plus. Another company that had a big plus today was Pepsi Cola, which beat all estimates uh, and said they're going to keep their buy stock buyback and increase their dividend. And that stock was up. I guess a lot of Frito, Fritos were were sold. After the stock, after the market closed today, uh, Google reported uh, earnings, and their earnings uh, turned out to be, we'll say, either less bad or better than expected, particularly when it came to advertising. And they saw YouTube as a bright spot. Well, YouTube, part of the stay-at-home, work-at-home type of economy. Google stock uh, jumped up $100 a share in aftermarket trading. Hopefully that will hold, and that gave a boost uh, to the other mega names, Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft. Tomorrow, Microsoft reports their earnings, and Thursday, big day for me with both Apple and Amazon. Prepare for some more volatility and stick with the stay-at-home, work-at-home theme. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.